Amen. This past week, Andy, Brian, and I attended our Mississippi United Methodist Annual Conference. It's a yearly gathering of all the United Methodist pastors and church member delegates from throughout the state. And it's a time of worship. It's a time of prayer. A time of doing the business of the church. Where we actually have to look at finances and things like that. The things that hold us together as United Methodist churches from across our state. But it's also a time when we name how God has been at work in and through the churches in our state and the ministries that we support around the globe. And I want to briefly lift up to you all just how wide-reaching our church is. Every week we take up an offering. And this offering supports the mission and ministries of this church, which are vast. But a small portion of the offerings each week go to support our global connection. The offering taken up each week goes to provide nets to prevent malaria in third world countries. It goes to support missionaries and new church plants around the world to introduce people to Jesus Christ. It goes to support the United Methodist Disaster Relief Team that I was telling David earlier is still doing work post-Katrina because we still have not recovered post-Katrina. We dispatch teams and supplies around the world when earthquakes hit across the globe. When flooding happens, a small portion of our offerings each week go to make sure that God's people are taken care of. And that is powerful. It's powerful to realize just how far-reaching each penny goes. There's also a children's home in our state that our conference fully supports. I think there's about anywhere from 20 to 50 children in that home in the Jackson area. It's powerful the connection that is the United Methodist Church. It's a holy thing. It's a beautiful thing. And part of this connection for me this past week was seeing three pastors who at some point as a child and or teen were part of St. Matthew's. And they named their time at St. Matthew's as part of the reason why they answered the call to ministry. This church does amazing things and is a powerful witness. And our connection as United Methodists is one of the things I love most about this denomination. What was most special to me this past week was when I got to introduce to the conference a former professor of mine at seminary who was also my pastor when I was in New Jersey. And she's a Methodist pastor in New Jersey, but because of our connection, we invited her to come and to lead a workshop on youth ministry to our pastors and youth ministers in the state, but to also preach the word of God. And 
something that I always appreciate about time with Kenda is how I never leave her presence not challenged. And she brought up something at the night of worship that she and I have talked about before. And it's the, the challenge of the fact that if we as individual Christians do not believe that Jesus is worth dying for, then the question for us is, is, is whether or not he is worth living for if we're actually living for him, if we don't think he's worth dying for. It was a hard thing to hear. And the bishop reminded us at different points that sometimes we can make faith into what God can do for us. We can make faith into eternal life. We can make faith into God being a butler at our beck and call when we need something from God. But we can choose not to respond when God needs something from us. So the question that she had at her workshop was, how are we making sure that we are making disciples of Jesus Christ and not disciples of idols? How are we making sure as pastors and youth ministers that that we are passing on a true and authentic faith? And so she talked about the importances of spiritual practices, of reading scripture, of going to church as a family. She she was like, that is the number one way that faith is passed down, is by children worshiping with their parents. By parents also sharing the story with their children of why they believe in Jesus. And she spoke about other different practices But what hit me this week was when she started talking about prayer. Because we are good as Christians at talking about prayer. And we are good at making sure that prayer is in worship services. But what I know that can often be forgotten when it comes to prayer is that in prayer we are ushered into the presence of of God when we allow ourselves to be when we allow it not to just be words to just be a part of the worship service but to actually remember that that God is here and that we just have to make ourselves aware of his presence and we have to allow ourselves to be there to be with him And part of prayer is giving thanks, as Lily said, and naming our sins and naming our truth. Part of prayer is going before God and laying bare what we carry, good and bad. But what we can often forget is that prayer is not about us. That prayer is about God. That the foundation of prayer should always arise out of the character and truth of who our God is. Of who he has chosen to be for us, his people, his children. (laughs) 
What I love about today's psalm is that even though the psalmist was very honest in their prayer about their pain, they kept coming back to the truth of who God is in the midst of their pain. They proclaimed God as faithful. They proclaimed God as steadfast. They proclaimed God as forgiving and full of mercy and compassion, even towards those who are against us. They proclaimed in this psalm a God who cannot not care about his children. The psalmist was honest. But everything came back to the foundation of God. And that is why we as a church try to be intentional in relating prayer with scripture. Because if we do not know God's story, if we do not immerse ourselves in scripture, then how do we know who we're praying to? We need to know God's story so that we are not praying to an idol of our own making. And when we know scripture, our prayer life is is made so much deeper by the truth of a light that has entered our world that darkness will never overcome, of a God who came and lived and died and rose again for each and every one of us, the truth of Scripture, of a God who is Redeemer, who is Judge, but is also Friend. Scripture helps usher us into the present of the God whom we are able to come before whenever we need to. But there's something else that is important in today's psalm that needs to be named. And it's the fact that this psalmist isn't just being honest about their pain. They are lamenting. And a lament is, a, is it an, an expression of deep pain or grief. And lament is found throughout scripture. Even Jesus lamented. And lament is an important part of the Christian prayer prayer life. Because in lament, we name specific things that cause us pain and grief. And when we do that in prayer, founded on the truth of who God is, we are naming that this is not of God. That is not God's will. It is not God's way. It is not God's kingdom. And when we name it in prayer, when we lament these things, we invite God to come alongside us in the midst of it. When we lament, as this psalmist did, we are inviting God's truth and God's kingdom to come into a world that is his. But we do not just lament what is wrong in our own lives as Christians. We lament what is wrong in our world. We as Christians cannot, as the body of Christ, 
choose to be blind to the brokenness in our world. We cannot choose to ignore the pain that others are going through. We cannot choose to ignore injustice. We cannot choose to ignore the things that are not of God, but we must name them. And we must invite God to come alongside us in the midst of this. We, as the body of Christ, have so many things as recently that we must be able and willing to lament. We must name Kingston Fraser, and we must name the fact that young men killed him, and the fact that that happened should not ever be a part of this world. They should have had a better hope. Just as he should have been able to live. We should name the fact that two-thirds of the murders in our state are connected to domestic violence. Like what happened in Lincoln County. We should name what happened in London and in Manchester, what is happening in Israel and Palestine, what is happening in North Korea. We should name the brokenness of our world in prayer. We should, na- we should lament it. Because it is not of God. And because we as the body of Christ are going to choose to care about this brokenness. We are going to choose to pray over it. We are going to choose to not be blind to what is not of God here and now. Prayer is so vital to being a Christian because in prayer... We are reminded of God's truth, of light in the midst of darkness, of life in the face of death. We are reminded of his truth. We are reminded of the fact when we lay bare our own truth before God that he wants us to, that he cares about us because we are his sons and daughters. When we pray, when we lament what is wrong in the world, we are telling God, this is your kingdom. It is not your way right now, but may your kingdom come. And may your body, the church, come alongside the broken. And may we never turn a blind eye. Prayer when we are intentional about being ushered into the presence of our creator, when we are intentional about not letting prayer ever become just a routine to us, we learn the heart of God and we become changed. That is the purpose of prayer, to be reminded of God's heart and to be changed to be able to live as disciples.
We can never, never underestimate the power of prayer as the people of Christ. And that is why today in worship, we're doing things a little differently. By saving the bulk of songs for the end of worship. Because we want to make sure that there is time for us as children of God, as individuals, to pray. For us to sing the truth of who God is as the songs are played and to let that be our prayer. To sit or stand where we are or come to the front on our knees before God with our own truth. Or to take this time to lament what has happened. What should never happen again. May this time be taken intentionally in the presence of a living God who is here. May we allow ourselves to be as bold as the psalmist, to name our truth, to name the truth of God. And may we just be so aware of his presence with us. As we sing, you are invited to be where you are, to come to the front. If you have an offering, the baskets are on the altar table to come and place it in. But this time is yours as a son or daughter of the living God to take, to use, to be so aware of his presence with us. So if you'll please pray with me as we open this time.